0: Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you're listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Broadbridge, Louisiana, We hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. We're trying to get you back in honor. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> what an honor and a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I reached out to my dear brother Brandon, let him know we were going to be coming through the area, and um, uh, just, we were, we were in uh, Patterson, Louisiana this whole week doing a youth revival there, and uh, we were supposed to be somewhere else, I forget now, we were supposed to be somewhere in Texas or something this morning, but it got canceled, and, and uh, brother Brandon said it would be a blessing to be able to host us, and I just wanted to say thank you uh my word renee you, you all it's like going to the brooklyn tabernacle choir to hear maverick city music you know what i'm saying <laughs> i just you all don't know how, how blessed you are to have them uh as your worship pastors and your pastors as well you know uh, Brother, pastor brandon his family um you know just incredible people and we we just appreciate them happy father's day to all of you amen it's uh fathers are important right two of you believe that <laughs> fathers are very important and uh, if you're near your father if you have the opportunity to see your father today please do on behalf of me my dad is at home in Canada and uh, the coronavirus has separated us um, from you know each nation the the restrictions across that border is uh, a bit ridiculous and so I, we, we haven't been able to see my my family actually I haven't been there in two years now but um COVID keeps us apart. So if you're able to spend the day with your dad, please do and tell him you love him, tell him you, you need him and you appreciate him uh, because it is, you know, fatherhood and fathering is so important. It's something that's lacking in this generation. And I, I could have preached on fathers today. I really could have. But um, before I get into the word of God, I just want to share with you what's happening within the ministry. As uh, most of you know, well, we came last year, the first time we were ever here but well, we're blessed to come to Bowbridge, amen, and, uh, and preach the gospel, just share a little bit of what VOHM, the abbreviation Vessel of Honor Ministries, is. Um, we have two orphanages in Southeast Asia that we fully fund, and have about 60 children there. It fluctuates as kids, you know, they come in, new children are added, and other children age out. But we have two orphanages there. And we also do a lot of crusade work in Africa, in the heart of Africa, East Africa, mostly Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, Burundi, Congo, Uganda, that area, and sometimes in South and, and West Africa and Ghana, and uh, the Lord's opening more and more doors to us. Coronavirus kind of shut us down um, of international travel, and it was, in, it was amazing. I was telling my brother that, you know, at the beginning of 2020, I asked the Lord, what is the theme of this year going to be? And he spoke to me, actually it was in December of 2019, and he spoke to me and he said the theme will be let it be built. And it was out of Ezra chapter 3 verses 4, how that, you know, let the house be built, the foundations thereof be strongly laid. And so we went into it not thinking about, you know, a home locally, it was more so, you know, the administrative structure of Uh, our orphanages in Southeast Asia and then our work in Africa and the potential of buying a piece of property in Africa that's where my mind was and then coronavirus happened and uh, you know just kind of shut everything down I said Lord this is the vision this is what I wrote you said make it plain and so I did and it was incredible to see how the Lord fulfilled that in more ways than what I could even dream of. It was unbelievable what 2020, you know, had for the ministry. Uh, I I did not foresee it. The Lord spoke it into my spirit, let it be built. But I was only thinking about overseas. But in 2020, we were able to buy a piece of land in the nation of Kenya to build an orphanage on and some offices on and a small missions house on that, you know, kind of house our ministry there, you know, uh, throughout all of Africa. Uh, That Hama Kenya will be our home base And um, so we were, you know, active after that. And then in the midst of it, the Lord had given us um, 3,500 square feet of office space. A a friend of mine bought an old school and said, you know, you guys need office space. I said, yes, we do. And he gave us 3,500 square feet. And over the last, well, it's been more than nine months now. But for about nine months, Dalton and I, during the coronavirus season, um, you know, while everyone was locked away, we were locked away in that school (laughs) and we were building. We just remodeled the whole thing. And uh, now we have six offices, six office spaces, and a uh, reception area, and bathrooms, and a video studio, small sanctuary that we're going to be able to host, you know, events in. And it's just mind-blowing what the Lord did in 2020. And so we're just moving into 2021, full steam ahead. We left um, at home in Bluff City, Tennessee. We used to be based in Johnson City, but moved down the road where our offices are now is Bluff City, Tennessee. And we left um, J- June the 10th. And we went to Missouri and preached there for a few few days, and then we came down to this great state of Louisiana, and um, we've been here all week. And now we're leaving in the morning. We'll be in Oklahoma, uh, in Jennings, Oklahoma, on Wednesday night, and then uh, Thursday we'll get up and drive to Nebraska, and we'll be in West Point, Nebraska, um, throughout that weekend. And then the Monday, the following Monday, we get up, we drive to Colorado, way up in the mountains, the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. And we'll do a uh, Rocky Mountain youth, youth Camp. And so we'll be up there in the mountains uh, for a week. And then uh, after 4th of July, we will begin our long journey back to Bluff City, Tennessee. So please be in prayer for us as uh, we make our trek around the United States. And um, the nations are starting to open up again without so many restrictions. So in um, August, we are looking back, looking at going back into Kenya and uh, hopefully getting back into the world. Amen. But um, praise God, so good to be in the house of the Lord, appreciate you being here, choosing to be here this morning. I want you to stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. Last night, as I, I just, you know, I always seek the, 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 the will of God, I want the will of God in every aspect of ministry, and, and as I began to ask the Lord, you know, leading up, I preached Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, and, and then through Friday afternoon, you know, Lord, what do you want me to say? There's a lot of different directions that I can go, a lot a lot, of, a lot of places I could take you. What do you want me to say? And uh, the, I woke up this morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning, with this on my heart. And uh, I haven't looked at this in a long, long time. But uh, we're going to go to First Samuel chapter 17. And this is a very familiar story, very familiar. You all better know it, I'm pretty sure you do, from, from childhood up. But I'm going to show you something this morning that I, I hope maybe you've never seen before. 1 Samuel chapter number 17, and we're going to begin reading in verses number 37. You know the context, Goliath, you know the whole story. How Goliath is there and he's, you know, just screaming out all of these threats against Israel. You know the story. And David comes and, you know, brings cheese and all this stuff to his brethren. And, uh, you know, hears the threat, he hears these voices and then everybody disappears and uh, he said, "What are you boys afraid of? Why are you afraid? Why are you so fearful?" And they looked at him, and you know his brothers looked at him and said, "Where did you leave those sheep with? Who did you leave those sheep with in the in the wilderness, David? Why don't you go back and feed your sheep?" And anyways, all these words begin to be rehearsed in the camp. There's this young man that has come to to you know the, the just not really to see the battle. He didn't even know it, but he's come and he's saying all these things. And so uh, they they take. So they take David to Saul, verses 37, and, and David begins to, you know, rehearse what the Lord has done. And David said, moreover, the Lord hath that, that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head, and he also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he assayed. Everybody say assayed. You know what that word means? He delayed in going. Let me just tell you something. You cannot go up on somebody else's testimony. Somebody say amen. You cannot go up to battle in somebody else's experience. You've got to get some experience yourself. Amen. He essayed to go for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these. I have not proved them. And David put them off. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag. Everybody say shepherd's bag even which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near unto the Philistine. Let's go down to verses number 48. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. He ran, and David put his hand in his bag, let's pray father I'm thankful Lord for this great privilege it is to stand in this pulpit Lord I know brother Trot I thank God for his his faithfulness and commitment to bringing the word to this pulpit and to this people thank you Lord for this testimony of life and light in Bowbridge Lord in a place that, that is full of darkness the world is full of darkness. We thank you, Lord, for those that have that testimony of life and light. I ask you, Jesus, that you'd help me this morning as I deliver this word, which you dropped into my spirit early this morning. I ask you that you'd lead me and guide me, help me do a great job. Bless a lot of people in a short amount of time. And everybody said amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them it ain't going to be a short amount of time. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on the thought, what do you have in your bag? Look at your neighbor and say, you got anything in your bag? Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Thank you, sister. I appreciate that. (laughs) Ask your neighbor, you got anything in your bag? Three things I'm going to talk to you about this morning. The first thing I want to deal with us is you have to know your season. Life gives us seasons. You got to know what season you're in. Second point is you better take time to prepare. And then the third thing is have confidence in what has been deposited. The first point this morning is seasons. Understanding and knowing the seasons of life that you are in. Life will always change its seasons on you. And over this you have no control. I don't know about you, I've noticed something. But there's only two seasons in Louisiana. And that's crawfish season. You know when it comes in and you know when it goes out. Amen. Seasons. But I was raised in northern Alberta, Canada. That's where I was. I was born there. I was born on the island of Newfoundland, just off the east coast of Canada. And my parents moved us from the east coast, not quite to the west coast, but almost to the province of Alberta, way up north, northern Alberta. The road literally dead ends. Uh, Alberta, Highway 63. You can catch on Highway 63 out of Edmonton and ride all the way up to Fort McMurray, Alberta. And the road literally dead ends just past there. There's a native reservation where it dead ends. There's no other road that goes past how far north I am. And I remember growing up as a little boy. I remember watching the seasons change. You don't have it here like we do there, but the seasons would come in. And I remember as, as our summers would—it wasn't very long. Our summers would wane. You know, our summers were two or three months long, and then it would get into autumn. And I remember watching the leaves fall as as the cold would come in. It would begin to blow in. And I'll never forget when I was five years old. I was just a little boy. We were living in this little area in Fort. Murray And I remember my mom coming into my bedroom saying, waking me up. I was five. I was Zoe's age. And I, my mom came in and woke me up. She said, Steven, get up, get up, get out of it, get, get in. Stand up on your bed. And I said, why? And I got up, you know, my mom's voice, I, I got up, she said, look out the window. And I looked out the window, and to my amazement, I watched snowflakes this big fall from heaven for the first time. That's when I remembered, snow fell. And in Canada, where I'm from, snow lasts about six months, so enjoy your heat. Six months from about November, late October, all the way through March, it doesn't start to melt. And I remember it's, you know, something that I'll never forget through those winter months and we'd go through December and then into January, we called it the deep freeze. I'm a part of the frozen chosen, you know what I'm saying? We'd get into that deep freeze and it would be minus 40, minus 50 degrees Fahrenheit as we would bundle up and bunker down eight hours of daylight in those months, eight hours, the sun would shine. And then for the rest of the time, it'd be black as my shoes. But I remember after, you know, many months of winter as, as, you know, things would begin to warm. And I remember the, as, as water, the, the sun would come up. And, you know, you guys think we're nuts. You're guaranteed. But when I, when it would get like, you know, 32, it'd get about 32, uh, you know, maybe 28 degrees. We'd be in t-shirts. It was so warm, man. we just, woo heat wave, baby. And and so we, we, we would, you know, but I remember as a boy, I remember that the, the snow began to melt and then this, you know, the hills that we hadn't seen for six months begin grass began to poke through those hills and everything began to, you know, change and, and, and begin to blossom and spring began to come. Let me tell you something, folks. You have no control over the seasons. Is that right? You cannot control the seasons. There's not one of us here this morning that can tell the snow to fall and it would fall. Or the rain to come. Or crawfish to show up on your plate. I wish. We cannot control the seasons that are handed to us. But you do have control over what takes place within inside of those seasons. Look at your neighbor and tell him you do have control over something. You cannot control the rain. But you do have control over the time frame with inside of that season. Hear me. David chose to take that lonely season of shepherding and make it a season of discovery and preparation. You know David here's David a young man. You all know the story but I like to look at this in just a different light because David he's out there in the middle of a field shepherding and you know he didn't kick back his shoes and lay, lay against a tree and say, well, I'm just going to sleep this off and pass my time. No, no, no. David took that season that he was in as a shepherd and said, Lord, how can I come to understand who you are? How can I hone my skills? And I can see David, you know, I can just see it in my mind's eye. As David, the Bible says most of his psalms, a lot of the psalms that he wrote were wrote during that period when he was out there in that pasture, in that down time. Look at your neighbor and ask him, what are you doing with your seasons? David, I can see David out there as he began to worship the Lord and he began to call out upon his God as he's out there, you know, looking out into the heavens. He's, you know, a lot of times shepherds would spend all night out there in the field, making sure that lions and other predators did not come To to attack those sheep and there's times I believe that David was out there, out there worshiping the Lord, looking at the majesty of heaven. He was not wasting his time. You better not waste your time in your season of rest. Are you hearing me? You better not waste your time because there's coming a day when your seasons will change on you. You don't always, you don't always remain in those seasons of rest. I, I believe, you know, there's times that David out there in that field and he's just worshiping. David's a worshiper. That's so why I love Renee so much. He's just a worshiper. Lift up his hands and his mouth and they begin to worship. I believe there's times when David was out there thinking he's all by himself and he's calling out upon his God in the middle of that field worshiping the Lord. Times that he was out there just dancing and praising and lifting up the voice in the name of God, I believe there's probably some times that he was in eye shot of his brothers in the house. And his brothers looked at his father and said, Hey, hey, Dad, look, look out in the field, look out yonder. And his father looked out in the field, and there's David out there just skipping and praising the Lord, you know, dancing before the Lord. And his brother said, I don't know, there's you always knew there's something wrong with that kid. I always knew that there's something wrong with that boy, but that not only did David worship his God, not only did he not make it up, it wasn't a boring season, but it was a season of training. It was a season of worship. It was a season of a little bit of conflict. Listen, that season, you better not waste your time in that season. David was out there. You know, I often, and I'm going somewhere this morning, but often wonders, David was out there. David. Uh, He said, you know, I'm not just going to waste my time. I'm going to hone my skills. I'm going to hone my skills. You know, David would get out there all day long and have that sling in his hand. I don't know when a predator is going to come out of the woods. I don't know when there might come a bear. I don't know. I'm going to make sure I, I hone my skills. And let me tell you something, folks. David knew where the smooth stones are. Ask your neighbor, do you know where the smooth stones are? You better know David knew where to find the smooth stones. He knew every morning he would get up and go down to that brook, and he would find dig down within sight of that brook those perfect round stones that were underneath rushing water, and he'd fill up his bag every single day. He'd go down to the brook. Let me I'm going somewhere. You're gonna just bear, bear with me. Every day he went down to that brook and got some smooth stones. How many of you understand it's important that we visit the brook once in a while? You've got to know where the smooth stones are. David and in that time frame of rest, you know, he didn't know what was gonna come out of the, out of the woods. Might have been a lion and a bear as we understand. But listen very closely. David didn't waste his time in his season of rest. Rest. And you better not waste your time when God gives you a little bit of reprieve. You better not waste your time. You know, I'm thankful for times of rest, Dalton, as we travel around the nation and we travel around the world sometimes. You know, my favorite place on the earth where I, where I love to go is, is Meadowlark Lane in Bluff City, Tennessee. My house is my favorite spot on the planet because I love the times of rest. But you know you get in that time and season of rest and God begins to deal with you. And God begins to speak to you. Don't waste your moments or your season when you have a time of rest. Don't waste a moment in the season of seeming rest. Because your season is about to change. Hear me this morning. Look at your neighbor and pretend like we're an African. Tell them baby your season is about to change. You don't have control over your seasons. Oh no, you're in one place. At one, one time, you're doing the will of God, you're doing what, you know, David's father says, David, what I need you to do is feed my sheep, take care of my flock. I love the attitude and mindset of David. Yes, father, whatever you'd have me to do. And I'm just telling you this morning, if you're going to be successful in this walk as a Christian, you better be as David was in that, that understanding of obedience. Father, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And so here he is, David, in a season of rest. But listen, it, it wasn't very long. David was out there in that season of seeming rest. And there came a call. David was out watching his sheep. And, you know, he had gone to the brook that morning. And picked up some stones and, you know, practicing out there. But there came a call from the house. David! David! And David heard because a lot of times those shepherds would be a long ways off. David And David heard the the the, the, the call of his father and David left those sheep in the hands of another man. Another young man said, you watch these sheep. My father is calling me. Let me tell you something, folks. David had no understanding. He had no prior knowledge of what was getting ready to happen in his life. He had no no foresight to understand that he was going to walk out of that field and walk into one of the greatest battles of his life. I'm here to tell you, it's what you do in your down. Time that will determine your victory in your season of battle. It's when you get alone with God and you spend some time with him in your seat. Don't just kick your feet up and say, well now I got a little bit of time to rest. I'm going to abandon my devotion. I'm going to abandon. No, no, no. You better make sure that you get spend some time with the God of heaven because your seasons can change in a moment. In a moment, David walked out of one season, and without warning, storm clouds gathered and turned his midday into midnight. Hear me, storm clouds, and then David's father said, now David, David, Jesse said, David, I want you to take, I've got some stuff. Your brethren have gone to war, your three older brothers have gone to war. And, and, and we haven't heard anything from them in weeks. We don't know what's going on. But I want you to take this gift out to your brothers and to the captain of the hosts of the army. And he had a wagon loaded with cheese and, and wine and all kinds of different foods. And, and he said, I want you to take it out there. David had no idea that his, his life at that moment was about to change. The man that David was known to be all the way around the world at that point was getting ready to happen. That moment of Goliath was getting ready to happen, but it only happened because he made preparation. Hear me. It doesn't take much to change your season. Does it? Our lives are fickle. Our lives are fleeting. It doesn't take much to change your seasons. All it takes is one phone call, right? A little while ago, I was at home in, in bluff city i haven't been able to go to canada in quite some time and my 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 mom called me and she said i just want to let you know that your grandmother passed away seasons changing without my control it doesn't take much to change your season one phone call this age one text message One, you know, jot and your heart begins to papillate or whatever, begins to flutter in your chest and your nerves go out the window and you're about to throw up because of one text message, one trip to the doctor and you sit there and the doc looks at you and says, listen, I got some news, but I don't know if you want to hear it. And your nerves just go up, your stomach goes up into your throat. One moment can change your life. One knock at the door in the middle of the night and you're standing there and there's police standing at your door and said we've got we're bringing you some news that we wish we did not have to bear one accident and you don't you're not in control of these seasons are you hearing me you're not in control of these things one incident one accident one request and your seasons will change listen your season's about to change I felt this within my spirit this morning. You must know your situation at all times. You must know it. You have to know where where you are. You must know your seasons. But listen, let's move quickly to the second point. You've got to take time to prepare. Alright? David walked out of that season of seeming rest. And he walked down, you know, whistling, praise God. He understands who God is. And he's got a relationship with the Lord. And he's walking and he finally breaks out upon the the, the place where that battle was set in array. Out there in that valley. And the Philistines were on one side. And and the the children of Israel were on the other. And so he makes his way in to where the camp was. He's got this wagon loaded and he's going around to the captains of the hosts of the army. And he finds them. And he said, this is from my father, Jesse. This is from Jesse. And then he finally finds his brethren, Eli- Eliab and, and those other two that I don't remember the names right now. You forgive me. But they, you know, he, he finds his brethren and he's giving them food and everything's well. But then there comes a voice that he'll never, ever forget. There comes a tone of a voice in his life that he didn't have control over. There come a voice, a booming voice out Israel, oh Israel, why do you set your own battle in array? Send me a man out here that we might fight. And within a moment, within a moment, everybody was gone. Like the rapture took place, but not really. And he's looking around. He's looking around. Where would everybody go? They're hiding behind rocks. They're hiding behind in their tents. They're, they're big, burly men that have got battle experience. And they're afraid of this man named Goliath. And they all run and scatter. They're fearful. And oftentimes, I wonder, even the king Saul hiding out in his tent. And you know the story. And here David. David is looking around and saying, what's going on, boys? What's happening? Why? Why are you Running away from this man. They said, David, are you an idiot? Don't you see how big and large that man is? He'll rip you apart. And he said, I don't care how big and large any man is. Don't you understand how great my God is? Uh, Don't you ever ask yourself the question? Why didn't Eliab and Shammah and the other dude? Why didn't they fight? Goliath, why didn't they, why were they not able to go up and stand against this man? Because they didn't take time to prepare. They wasted their, I don't know, every one of those boys at some point in their life were shepherds, every one of them. But David for some reason was the only one out there in the middle of the, of the wilderness on his face before God. Lord, I need to know you. God, I need to understand who you are. And out of his heart, he took time to prepare. Why was Eliab and Shammah and Abinadab? I knew I'd get it. Why were they not able to fight him? Why wasn't the king able to fight him? Because they did not take time. It's in your season of rest that prepares you for your season of war. My God. It's only when you are alone with God. I think it was A.B. Simpson Simpson said, I am no good until I get alone with God. It's when we get alone with him. And we understand God reminds us of who he is. And David looked at all them men and said, you, you might look at a man in stature, in physical form, but my God is much greater than what I see in front of me. David knew that without adequate preparation, he would not conquer. He could not go up on another person's experience. You know, you, you know, that whole story as they pulled David in and said, look, this kid, he's like 16 years old and says that he can, he's going to go to war. He's going to fight for us. And Saul looks at him and says, but you're just a little boy. Oh man, I could preach all morning. Don't let what others say about you determine what God wants wants you to go. Don't let the voices and opinions of other people determine for you the direction that you're going to go. Remember what God has said. Remember, listen, Saul looked at him and said, but you're just a boy. And, and David began to rehearse. And I could preach all of this. But David began to rehearse what God had done. And Saul said, well, it looks like you're determined. It looks like you're going to go out. So let me just take my armor, uh, you know, that's fit for a man, and put it on you. And I could just see the picture. Can you see it? As David, his small frame, kind of buried in all this gigantic armor. And he barely could pick up the sword. And, and, and David. the Bible says that David is said to go. Why did he say to go? Why did he delay? Because you cannot go up on somebody else's testimony. You cannot go up in somebody else's name or somebody else's power or someone else's experience. I heard one man, one time, a great preacher uh, was in a conference one time and he was preaching and, you know, just a very large church, large ministry. This young man came up to him in the altar service and he looked at him and he said, I want you to give me, I want you to give to me a double portion of the anointing that's on your life. You know. And and the man of God looked at him and said, You want a double portion, do you? Yes. Come on, baby, laid on me. Give me a double portion. He said, Are you sure? You want me to pray this on? Yes. I said, All right. He said, Come close. And he laid his hands on him. And he said, Lord. I pray that you'd break his legs in a car accident. Father, I pray that you'd give his wife breast cancer. Lord, I ask you that you'd let his children be heathens. Father, I pray that you'd give him trouble and turmoil. And the man ripped his hands off and said, Wow, hold on a minute. That's not what I asked you to pray for. I wanted a double portion. And the man looked at him and said, Yes, but that's what it took for me to get my anointing you got to go through some trouble yourself. You cannot go up off of somebody else's name or testimony. God is trying to make you something. He's trying to burn in you some experience. David said, I don't know this armor. I've never proved it, to, but I'll be right back. I'll be, I'll be right back. Back? Can you imagine? Can you imagine David taking off all that armor? This is where my mind goes. It's like a movie. David taking off all that armor and laying that sword down and said, listen, this ain't gonna work. I'll be back in just a couple, hours. give me a couple hours and I'll be back. And David, uh, Saul looked at his men because he had men there. So what do you mean you'll be back? Just leave me alone. I'll be back. And so he goes, he goes out. Takes off out of the tent. I believe Saul probably sent two spies, two men watching him. Probably where in the world is this young man going? And so David goes out and he crests over the hills. He knows exactly where he's going. Let me just tell you something, folks. If you're going to win, you better know where the smooth stones are. You better know where to get your weapons. David said, I, I know where the smooth stones are. I've been making preparation for this all my life. And so David crests over the hills, down, across that valley, and he was going through, he knew where that brook was, and he got down, he didn't realize the two guys trailing him, this is my version, okay? You can, you can, these two guys watching him, and he's, he's just cruising down over, down, he finds that brook, listen, begins to take off that outer shawl. David walked down into the, you know, there's, there's a lot of people, a lot of commentaries, a lot of people think that it was a dried up brook. You know, the Bible doesn't say it was dry some reason, I got that in my head, it was this dry brook, you know, that was one time, no, 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 it was living water, it was flowing water, and you know, there's a lot a lot of people that, you know, brooks, just this little tiny stream, I don't know if you've ever been to Tennessee, but our brooks ain't no little streams, David walked down over that hillside, and he got in. He knew where to find the smooth stones and David, I could see him. You know what's wrong with most of us in, in, in this generation of, of Christians or church? You know what most of us do? We just get by the brook and we just look at it. You know what the brook represents? represents the Spirit of God. In order for you to be successful in waging war against your enemy, you better have some experience with God in the Spirit. Are you listening? You better know how to fight hell in the Spirit. And so David, he knew there were some things in that river that he had to get out. But listen, David didn't just stay, stand there and look at the brook. Most of us come to church, we'll kick our shoes off, and we'll just put our little toes in the river. Just enough to cool our little tiny toes. Like, ooh, that's enough. And we'll back up. Sit on the river and watch it. But there's other wackos like me who run past all you who just want your little toes wet. I don't want to just get in. You know, David didn't just get in. He didn't just, you know, get get his little ankles wet. No, no. In order to find those smooth tones, he had to go where that river was moving the fastest, where it was flowing and moving. And so David didn't just get in to his ankles. He didn't just get in at his knees. No, no. I believe that David walked in and dove into that river. Hear me. He went into that river dry. But he came out soaking wet. Are you hearing me? Went in by himself. And I believe that there's some people, those boys on the hill watching him. What in the world is this kid doing? He's going to go fight the greatest giant, the greatest enemy that Israel's ever had. And he's out here playing in this water. But let me tell you something, folks. There's some stuff that God wants to deposit into you. Only if you get into that river. Are you listening? It's only in that river that God wants to put some things in you. David got down in that river and began to feel around. Lord, what is it? How am I going to accomplish? How am I going to defeat Goliath? David got down into that river hear me he understood that there were some things in that river that God wanted him to get out but in order to get out of the river what he needed he's got to get in look at your neighbor and tell him you got to get in sometimes you got to let the spirit move in your life let the Holy Ghost move there's some stuff that God wants to give you right now you know what most of us do most of us walk into our battles most of us have an experience with God at some point in our life and say that's enough it's good you know i got i got my fill i'm i'm good you know, my prayer life might be waning and my devotion life might be waning and I haven't really felt the moving of the Spirit in a while. And, and so it's there, you know. But we walk into battles like this. The, 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 the devil roars. or Goliath roars. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm ready for you. I'm going to take your head off. And you go and you reach your hand in your bag and you ain't got nothing there. There's nothing been deposited in the bag. Nothing. The only place that you can get something is in that river. Are you listening? The only place that you can find what you need is in that river. Most of us walk in, putting our hand in our bag, and there's absolutely nothing there. But listen, there's some things that God wants to deposit in your life. David went in dry in that river, but he came out of that river completely soaking wet. Listen, you can you can be you know dry and all all. Your, I don't know any of you ever ever been swimming before. You better if you live in Louisiana. it feels so good and so refreshing to jump into a body of water to cool your skin. You go in dry, but you come out completely saturated, every part of your body. David went into that river by himself, but he walked up out of that river, all completely covered in the Spirit of God. Are you listening to me this morning? He had to find some things. He walked into that brook and found some things to put in his bag. What have you got in your bag? You got anything in your bag? David pulled out some things out of that river. There's a lot of things that I could talk about this morning. But David pulled five things out of that river. And I will just briefly mention these five. David pulled five things. Five smooth stones. Are you ready? You ain't ready. I'm, I'm ready. David pulled five smooth stones. Why didn't, he just, why didn't he just pull one? God knew he'd only need one stone. Why didn't he just give him one stone? One one round stone. David's all you're going to need to kill this giant. No, no. God gave him five smooth stones. The first thing that he came out of that river with was a fresh revelation of the word of God. He came out. You know, sometimes you're dry, but when you get in that river, the spirit of God flows over you. You get a fresh understanding of the word of God. Do you know how I know? Because when Goliath began to scream and, and vomit all that stuff out, I'm going to rip you from from arm and leg I'm going to feed your body to the fowls of the air David looked at him and said hey you can come against me with sword and with spear but I come to you not with sword and spear but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty he had a fresh revelation of who God was look at your neighbor and tell him get in the river Second thing that he came out was a fresh baptism of fire. Oh, there's some times that we are, you get weak, you get tired. In your own self, you're dry. You get down in that water where the Spirit of God is moving and flowing. The Holy Ghost is moving and breathing and he breathes new life into you. it has been times when I was a boy Raised in that Pentecostal church in Fort McMurray, Alberta, I didn't know anything else. All I knew was Pentecosts. So all I knew, and there would be times that I was in that church, and we would have Sunday mornings were good, Pastor. They're pretty good. Sunday night, it was jamming. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you could miss a Sunday morning, but you better not miss a Sunday night. Somebody's going to get healed. Somebody's going to get saved. Somebody was going to run. Somebody might jump from the balcony. We don't know. Spirit of God was moving. And I remember times, and I was in high school, or even middle school, junior high, I remember times that we would go to the house of God. And I, just a young Christian, I was just a young man, but I felt dry in my spirit. There's times that we would leave the house of God. They literally had to pour us into our vehicles. We were so drunk in the spirit. The spirit of God was so heavy. You felt such a fresh renewal elbow your neighbor and say, get in the river. Not hard, don't bruise them. The third thing that he came out of that river with was a fresh commitment. No turning back. You know, it's incredible what happens, there's a confidence that comes when you're in the Spirit of God. There's been times that I have stood on platforms, been in nations of the world and, you know, all kinds of issues going on. And the crusade is in preparation. And we are, there's all kinds of chaos going on. And then we, I, I find myself in that hotel room prior to that meeting, prior to preaching. And there's just this steel, cool confidence that comes. I believe, possibly I told you about Congo, Congo. I'm not going to tell you the whole story at all, but I was in the nation of Congo in Kanyaboyunga, and that area is controlled by the Congolese rebels. And we got into the city. My face was all over, all over posters everywhere across the, the town. And I got in my hotel room. I was eight hours in from the border of Uganda in the jungle. And this area was controlled by the Congolese rebels. I'm sure you've heard of the, the rebels before. They're very dangerous. And I remember sitting on my bed in that little hotel room. One single light. Felt like I was going to be interrogated. You know, one, one light hanging from the ceiling. The whole city was run off of generator. The whole, vill- the whole thing was generator power. There's no, no power up there. And I sat there and Satan spoke to me. He walked into that room. And he spoke. It wasn't audible, but it was almost. And he said, don't you understand that your face is all over? All over Kanyaboyanga, don't you know? I said, yeah, I know. He said, you've got to know that the Congolese rebels know you're here. I said, you, he said, you step out and stand on that stage, Pastor. And you're going to be an open target and you're going to go home in a body bag. You're going to leave your children fatherless and your wife a widow. I sat, as I sat there, I felt the Spirit of God like I have never felt Him in my life. There's was a flood. <laughs> came into that room and saturated that room. And this confidence, there's confidence when you walk in the Spirit. This confidence came over me. And I spoke verbally to hell and I said if I'm going to die I will die preaching the gospel and I walked out of that that little hotel room with no running water and no power and I walked got in the vehicle we went out and I, I went out to where the crusade was going to be held and I got out of my vehicle and ten thousand Stood at my feet waiting for me to preach. And I preached the gospel as hard as I could. And thousands and thousands gave their heart to, and life to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's confidence when you get in that river. In that water, there's, com- there's confidence, there's a commitment, there's a, it doesn't matter though none go with me, still I will follow. I can see David coming up out of that water with his stones in his bag, walking past, he knew that boys were up down the hill, Walk past them boys, and they looked at each other like, what's, what got into this kid? Walk, there's a confidence that comes when you know you've got something in your bag. Fourth thing is a fresh confidence of past victories. I'm not going to preach all this. Fresh confidence of what God did yesterday. Because sometimes you need to remember. You know what one man told me? He said, if you quit telling your testimony, there will come a time when you don't believe it yourself. Tell it. Repeat it. How do we overcome the word of our testimony in the blood of the Lamb? Fresh confidence of past victories. God said to David, you remember that bear? Yeah. Yeah, that was me, not you. Not the bear. You defeating the bear was me, not you. You remember that lion when you that came out and you took him by your own hands? Yes, Lord. Yep, yeah, I'm going to do it again. Are you hearing me? Just walk with me, David. Every bear that comes out of the woods, you'll take by your own hands if I'm with you. Fresh confidence of past victories, but here, last one. You ain't ready. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're not ready. Come on you bunch of wimps, tell him. You ain't ready. The fifth stone that he pulled out was a preparation for the future. What are you talking about, Stephen? Goliath was one giant. But if you keep reading in the word of God, It said that Goliath had four brothers. And God said, I'm going to put something in you today. You might not understand what you need this one for, but hold on to it. Because there's coming a time in the future that you're going to have to pull this one out. And there's some of you here this morning that God has spoken some stuff to you when you've been in your alone time in the presence of God. God has deposited some stuff in you. You're like, Lord, what in the world is that for? How in the world is this going to happen? He he makes some promises to you and God says, just hold it and lock it because there's coming a day where you will be able to pull this one out. David. Have, in his time as a king came up against four brothers of, or uncles of Goliath and the Bible says he slew all of them. He always makes preparation of the future. I could spend a long time but the last thing, the last point here is to have confidence in what you've deposited. You know what I've learned in life is oftentimes the greatest battles that you face you always face by yourself. The greatest struggles, the greatest battles you face, you often fight alone. And can you imagine as that young man David walked confidently, because there's confidence that comes when you know your bag is full, Confidently walked out of that river, up over that hill, said, Come on, boys, we got a giant to kill. They walked out through the camp of Israel and down into that valley where that giant stood. And David did not have his brethren with him, he did not have the king standing by his side. David walked into that valley all by himself. But he wasn't alone. He had been with Jesus. And Jesus, the Spirit of God, had deposited in him what he would need to have victory. I don't know if any of you ever go to the store and you just window shop. My wife hates window shopping. She hates it. You ever go to the store and you, you know, you, you, you fill your cart, right? You got your, your buggy, your shopping cart, you fill it up and you get up to the till. You just pull that piece of plastic out, you know? Here you go. And you give it to them. There's, there, there's confidence there. Why? Because you you worked all week and you deposited your check, right? It's not like you get up there and say, well, I don't know. I don't know if this one's going to work. There's confidence that comes when you have deposited some things. And here David did not walk out of that top of that mountain, down in that valley, hiding behind rocks and hiding in a cave like his brethren. He walked out with a with a cool confidence, knowing that he had deposited some stuff. David... The Bible says, and it came to pass in verses 48, "Musicians, would you return?" It came to pass in verses 48, when the Philistine arose and David and came and drew nigh to meet David. that David tiptoed. David mm-hmm. crouched behind a stone. No, it doesn't say that. The Bible says that David ran. He didn't just walk out to that giant. He ran with all of his might towards that army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag. And he took out what he had deposited and put it in that sling and said to Goliath, you come to me with sword and with spear but I have not wasted my season of rest I know where the smooth stones are I don't come to you with sword and spear but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty he took what he had deposited and threw it at hell and was victorious every single time Stand with me. There is confidence in Christ. We live in a generation that spends more time in Facebook than we do his book. Spends more time watching whatever than we do seeking the face of God. And we wonder why our churches are faltering and Christianity is not that strong of a voice anymore in the nation. We look at our culture from the highest level of government all the way down and we wonder what's going on. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. But if that salt has lost its savor, it will be thrown out and trampled under the feet of men. We have played with church for so long. I heard one man say this. You know, in the 50s, the 1950s, right after World War II ended, he said America was like a young woman. And the church in that time frame was trying to court her. The world, you know, that, 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 not the world, but you understand what I'm saying. Those that had not been saved. Trying to get her to come in. And through that courtship, we brought tens of thousands of people into the house of God. Tent revivals and churches built all over the nation. But he said, this generation, our culture is now we're dealing with it's almost like a divorced woman she knows all the games she knows all the cliches she knows all the songs she, know what, she knows what time the canary's gonna sing she knows what time the preaching's gonna happen all the games and gimmicks of religion she knows it all and wants nothing to do with it folks unless we have a move of God we can't play religion can't just play church. This is not the 50s. As much as it would be incredible to see the America that was then. We have to get in the river. we got to get along with God. Get some stuff. You know, there was a time that I was fishing in East Tennessee. This is, it ties in. I was meeting a friend of mine. He said, let me show you how to fly fish. And so I said, okay. And I took my fly rod, and we were out on the Watauga River. And Watauga is generated there in Tennessee. They have this thing called the TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority, where they dammed up 30 rivers. And there are lakes, man-made lakes, that generate power. So they generate, the rivers generate. Turn the generator on. And when they generate, the river... Comes up, so me and uh, Patrick, we were out in the river, and it was up to our ankles. You know, I was out there just whew, not paying attention. No warning, the river started rising. I didn't know it. it started rising and rising. By the time I got to hear, I said, "Patrick, I think, uh, I think the river's coming up." I said, yeah, I think so. So we better get out now before it. You know, it gets a little bit higher. So we tried to get out, and there was so much power in that water. I couldn't. I'm pushing him, making sure he doesn't fall over, and we literally couldn't get out. The water kept rising, and I was in chest waders. Thankfully, they were skin tight, whatever they're called. They wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here. But that river rose and carried me downstream. I had my pole and my all my stuff up here trying to keep it out of the water and fighting for my life. Why do I tell you this? If you get in the river, you'll start at one point, but the power of God will take you where you've never been before. It will carry you where you've never been give you experiences that you've never had. the power of the spirit of god we need a move of the spirit bow your heads with me father i thank you for this privilege oh god of standing in this pulpit knowing lord that you're in control of the seasons you're sovereign you're just you send things our way lord to challenge us to make us what you'd have us be Jesus name Father that you would so compel your people not just to look at the river not just to you know kind of stand back from the spirit of god but lord may we may we look at you at the spirit and seek you like we've never sought you before may we take time to get in because it's only in getting in that we will get anything out of it Lord we need a move of God we need a a movement of your spirit I ask you in Jesus name what I want you to do this morning is I want you to come would you come come to the front move out from where you are let's just seek the Lord let's ask the Lord God we need a movement of your spirit at Bowbridge Bowbridge is not going to be won by religion by nice people who wear nice clothes. We need a movement of the Spirit. We need God to break into our sin and bust it up. We need God to move into our communities, into our schools, into our businesses. We need God back in our homes. We need the Spirit of God to move actively in our homes. Not just be something we talk about. Yeah, I remember when, but my God last night was unbelievable. May He do it again tonight. May the Lord be real amongst us. I've been all over the world, I've been to 40 nations. I've preached in churches, big, large, small. You know, one thing that I've learned is the more humble a place that I preach in, the greater the movement of God I preach in some great conclave meetings, some gigantic buildings the Lord not move I get in some buildings that are made out of grass weaved bamboo and the spirit of God takes over can we humble ourselves this morning and say Lord we need a move of God, can we do that let's just worship the Lord Renee Let's worship the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to move in his spirit. You got a need? We'll pray with you. Amen. We'll come and lay our hands on you. Pray. pray us. There is a river. Father in the name of Jesus.